listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. So, get something good to drink, get a pen, get a paper, get whatever you've got. I'm going to give you some things today. Now, before I do, let me talk to you about this. Good morning, Katarina. Um, the reason that I put spiritual father slash mentor on the, um, on the title, if you don't know what that is before we, before we get going on teaching about um, the 11 qualities that they need to have, uh, let, me, let me break this down quickly first. I wrote a book called <clears throat> Further Faster. I know a lot of you are, are familiar with that book. It's on impartation. That is God's method, excuse me, that is God's method uh, of increase in the body of Christ, is impartation. Um, The Bible teaches that God put gifts into the church, the fivefold ministry gifts, for the perfecting of the saints. And there there are many ways to receive impartation. You can receive it through the word, through imparted knowledge, through the laying on of hands like Paul taught. There's many ways to receive impartation. Um, but we know that impartation is God's method to level up his people. And so a lot of times, like for example, what I wrote about in the book is that God will use men and women in your life that he sends to take you up to another level and to train you, to equip you, impart to you and prepare you for what you're called to do. We see that in the Old Testament and the New Testament, morning Ashley. We see it with, you know, Moses and Joshua. We see it with Elijah and Elisha. Uh, we see it with Jesus and the disciples, Paul and Timothy, Paul and uh, Onesimus. You know, we see all these, we see all these examples of, um, of impartation, spiritual fatherhood. And um, so it is God's way. Good morning, Denise and Regina. It is God's way to, to level people up. But the reason I, I worded it like I did is because, um, especially when you're seeking out uh, a one-on-one style relationship for mentorship or, or spiritual fatherhood, obviously I, wanted, I do want to give the caveat that, you know, women should not be seeking out, you know, men, <laughs> especially, uh, in this context, you know, it's, uh, it, we're not, we're not suggesting that, that a woman should go looking for, you know, a spiritual father in that way. We don't want it to be inappropriate. But the reason I say a mentor is that the Bible commands that the older women, uh, train up and raise up the younger women. The Bible teaches that. And so, there will be people that are in your, that God will put in your life to help raise you up to the next level. Now, uh, obviously there are, there are men of God that, uh, you like, for example, if you're a, a woman that's married, there might be a man of God that is, you know, over you and your husband uh, as a couple who may impart to you, give you advice that might be your spiritual father. 
Um, obviously, this broadcast is not me um, <laughs> talking about, you know, women needing to go find a spiritual father. But there may be a man of God, you know, that was put into your life for you and your husband and, and uh, you know, raising you up, training you up, imparting, equipping. And that's, that's fine. Um, obviously, for any kind of one-on-one contact, a man should be with a man and a woman should be with a woman. I'm not, I don't have a spiritual mother in that way. I'm like not going to some prophetess, you know, and then she's like counseling me behind closed doors. Inappropriate, inappropriate. So the same is true on the other, on the other side. There's no spiritual father that's going and, you know, one-on-one with a woman, inappropriate. But obviously there's going to be, there's going to be examples where, you know, your, your spiritual father, the one that may be over you, maybe over a husband and wife couple or imparting to them, praying for them, uh, you know, um, helping them, equipping them. And I've seen that plenty. It's no, no problem with it. But what, what I uh, want to take this broadcast to do is talk about the 11 qualities that uh, should be present in a spiritual father or in a mentor in your life, a spiritual mentor. These 11 qualities should be present in your spiritual father or your mentor. Um, I will say this too, for those of you that, are, that may be watching, because I know we have ministers watch, and um, you know, I will say this too, for those of you that are watching, if you're a minister uh, or if you're, if you're older, um, God wants to use people to raise others up. But I will say this, you can disqualify yourself from being able to minister to other people. You can disqualify yourself from being a spiritual father or a mentor. And you can do it by not having these qualities uh, present in your life. And that's why I want to cover them. Because... If you're going to truly be effective in raising up the next generation, speaking into other people, if you're going to be a spiritual father or mentor, these need to be in your life. But also, if you're, if you're someone who's seeking a, a mentor, a spiritual father, these are things you need to look out for and make sure they are present uh, in that person's life and ministry without question. And um, I carved it down as much as I could. And I still, there are 11 that we need to talk about because uh, just, just like in the New Testament, how you can be disqualified from ministering on God's behalf in the same way, uh, this is part of that. You can be disqualified for raising other people up, for equipping other people, speaking into their lives. And so this does need to be discussed, does need to be talked about. Um, let me encourage you. If you're just jumping on to share the broadcast, because this is a very important topic. And so um, 11 qualities that should be present in your spiritual father or mentor. And, uh, and we'll break them down one by one. Take notes, put them in the chat. Number one is, and this is the reason this is number one, because I do really feel like it's number one in order. The rest may not be in order, but I think this one is got to be number one, is that number one, they have a genuine love for you. That has to be, has to be there. 
They have a genuine love for you personally, for you, for your ministry, your calling, whatever it might be. They have a genuine love for you. They have a genuine love for you. That has to be present. If it's not, see, and you say, well, wouldn't that be present in any spiritual father? Absolutely not. There are people, you know, that want to mentor for the sake of mentoring. Like I know this might be hard for some people, people to believe, but there, there are people in the body of Christ that obviously want to be seen by others and want to look like they're doing successful things. And so as a result, they'll say yes to quote unquote mentoring as many people as they can because of the fact they want to look like they are somebody. And so they'll have like a slew of spiritual sons and daughters. All, you know, oh yeah, that's one of my spiritual sons. That's one of my spiritual. They don't care anything about them. They don't check on them. They don't care for them. They don't minister to them. It's somebody's name on a, on a sheet. It's somebody that may pay them to coach them. It's somebody that may, you know, pay them to be around them. And I'm serious. That takes place. And there's not a genuine love for the person. And so the person that you have that's over you, somebody that's going to be used by God to change your life, to change your ministry, to change your business, your calling, whatever it is, to impact you like that, they better have a genuine love for you personally. They better have a genuine love for what God's called you to do. Better do it. Otherwise, it's a waste of your time and it's a waste of theirs. It's a waste of your time and it's a waste of theirs if they don't have a genuine love for you. Because one of the, of course, you know this, that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that uh, faith, hope, and love, these are the three qualities that will endure forever. And the greatest of these is love. There's not going to be any way that there's going to be a productive uh, relationship where you're going to be increasing if that person that's supposed to be over you doesn't have a genuine love for you, your ministry, your family, your calling, your business, whatever. It's not, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And so this needs to be uh, in place, first of all. Let me read to you um, from uh, the letter of Paul to Philemon. Because this will show you something about the Apostle Paul. This is why the Apostle Paul was such a great spiritual leader that God could use. <laughs> this is why he was such a powerful spiritual father to, to so many. I'll start with, uh, Philemon, by the way, only has one chapter. But I'll start with verse 8. Accordingly, Though I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Um, formerly, he was useless to you, but now indeed he's useful to you and to me. Look at verse 12, though. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. 
I'm sending my very heart. He said, when Onesimus comes back to you, I'm sending my heart to you. That's how much I love him. I became his father. That's how much I love him. He's my very heart. But notice this. Paul's also addressing Philemon. And he says, I'm bold enough to command you to do what's required, but for love's sake, I'm going to appeal to you. I'm going to ask your permission. I'm going to ask you. So Paul doesn't just have a love for Onesimus. Paul has a love for Philemon. He's not going to just, you know, tromp in there and, and, and start dealing out commands. He said, for love's sake, I'm going to appeal to you, Philemon, to receive Onesimus back to yourself. I know he used to be useless. But I became his father while I was in prison and I began to love him and impart to him and show him things. And now he's very useful and I'm going to send him back to you. And when I do, I'm sending my very heart to you. Very important. I'm sending my very heart to you. And so you can clearly see uh, right off the bat that, uh, Genuine love was present in Paul's life. Genuine love has got to be present in the life of any spiritual father, any mentor that's going to be a part of your life. If you want that relationship to actually produce, if you want it to be productive, that has to be the baseline. Genuine love. And then I want to just kind of talk about with you the other 10 that you need to have these as markers. You need to see these uh, active in any person's life that's going to be uh, impacting your life. Number two, they need to be a person of faith. And I don't mean that they're a part of the faith. I mean they need to be a person of great faith. I don't want anybody in my life uh, mentoring me that doesn't have faith. I don't want any person in my life that's trying to speak into me that that doesn't have great faith, that's not operating in faith. I don't want it. I know what I'm called to do. I know where I'm called to go. And I need people in my life that are at a greater level of faith than I am. They need to be at a greater level of faith. And I think that's probably the the best way to put it. They need to be at a greater level of faith than you are. That would be a terrible thing to have a spiritual father, a mentor, and you're at a greater level of faith than your mentor is. They need to be at a greater level of faith than you are and a person of great faith. Amen. I don't care how accomplished somebody is in in education or any of these other areas. If they don't have faith, if they're not operating by faith, if you don't see faith as, and I'm talking about spiritual leaders here. So um, even if you're a Christian, I know you may get things from others that are, you know, unsaved. You can read business books, you can go to conferences, but I want somebody that shares the faith that I share but also is operating in that faith. Even if I'm a business person, I want to find another businessman, businesswoman that's doing it at a greater level than I am, that's actually seeing those results at a greater level than I am, but they're also a person of faith. I don't want somebody uh, coming into my, into my life as a business mentor and being like, you know, I noticed that you're giving 10% of your money to the church. That could actually be uh, better uh, invested somewhere else. I don't want somebody coming in my life and trying to convince me to stop tithing and giving to God because they see greater investment opportunities. They don't know what they're talking about. I need people of faith. I want a faith person leading me. I want somebody that's at not just faith, greater faith than me 
at a higher level than me. Very important. Number three, this is so, this is so vital. I need a person and you need a person. See, don't forget, these things also can disqualify you from being a spiritual father or a mentor to somebody. Number three, they have to be a person of patience. They got to be a person of patience. Can't be somebody that's always, uh, <laughs> can't be a person that's always irritated with you. You'll never, let me tell you, number one, you'll stop caring about being around that person and then at some point you'll start dreading being around that person that's always irritated with you. They have no patience as you're growing, no patience as you're learning, no patience as you're uh, uh, walking out what God's called you to do. And they don't know why you haven't got to, can I, every time I, you always have questions for me. Yes, I have questions for you. You're my spiritual father slash mentor. Yes, I have questions for you. I don't know why you're always calling me. Always, every time I pick up my phone, your, your name's on there. You have a missed call from you. You're always calling me. You know, I have a life. You know, yeah. You also have, have invested yourself as a leader in my life. And so you should have, they've got to have patience if they're going to be able to do anything, to do anything impactful in your life. <laughs> People disqualify themselves quickly if they're not a person of patience, very quickly, very quickly. You can't have a person mentoring you or that you're standing over you as your spiritual father that's always irritated with you. I mean, just in the natural realm, that would get so old so quick, people would not, they wouldn't, have to, they wouldn't want to ever talk to them, wouldn't want to ever ask them anything. And so not only does it disqualify you from being that, you don't want that in your life. That's right. And then you know what ends up happening? Instead of growth, because nobody likes conflict. So what ends up happening? The person who is the one being mentored, the one that's under the spiritual father, that what, what it'll end up happening is, instead of going to them with questions, in going to them to try to learn, that they won't want to upset that person because they respect them, and they love them. And so instead of doing that, they'll just start to separate themselves. Well, you know, I don't want to bother him. Every time I ask him a question, he seems to be irritated that I'm asking a question. So, you know, I don't want to, I'll, maybe I'll wait till the next time he calls me or they'll stop attempting to reach out to them. They'll stop attempting to receive from them because they can feel that conflict and nobody likes confrontation and nobody likes conflict. And so there's always, if there's always an irritation, oh, I can't believe you're asking, you know, they should invite you. Do you have questions for me? Do you understand how are things going? They should check in on you and invi invite you to ask questions. Invite you. You know, do you have any, do you, is there anything you don't understand? Uh, do you need, is there anything you're going through? Do you need any advice? What's going on? How can I pray with you? Are there things that you're believing for? What are you, you know, that's the kind of stuff that should be coming from a spiritual father mentor. Not irritated because you called him. I can't believe it. I'm, every time I pick up my phone, it seems like you're calling me. We won't be calling you much longer. That, that, that disqualifies you. And that's something that'll hinder, that'll stifle, that will stifle a relationship between a spiritual father and uh, the ones that they're over. A mentor and a mentee. Can you imagine Elijah just being angry at Elisha all the time? 
Every time I turn around, you're standing right there. You follow me everywhere. Never get any time to myself. It's like, uh, you're the one who came down off the mountain and put your cloak on my shoulders and told me to follow you. <laughs> so stop being irritated that every time I go some, you go somewhere, I'm there with you. You're the one that decided to impart to me. And so, can you imagine Jesus? Every time I go to a meeting, you 12 disciples are there. Every time I get on a ship, you guys are always there. Understand, can't get any time to myself? Like, no. No, he's teaching them. He's training them, raising them up. Raising them up. Now, that doesn't mean, by the way, that um, your spiritual father slash mentor can't correct you or rebuke you. That's something they should be able to do. They should be able to correct you. They should be able to rebuke you, and you should be able to receive that. You should be able to receive that correction. But it's not because they're irritated with you. Again, we go back to number one. It's because they love you. It's because they love you. And one of the things that I will, I will tell you today is that there is no spiritual father or mentor that can truly say they love you if they're not willing to correct you, if they're not willing to rebuke you from time to time. You see, because if, here's the deal, if they love you, they don't want to see you continually making the wrong choices until you fail, until you're, until you're destroyed, Right? And so as a, instead of that, they'll come to you. They'll correct you. They'll reprove you. They'll change your direction. You don't need to do that anymore. Do this. You got to have that. But it takes patience for somebody to work with someone. People are working things out. They need help. They need help. And a true spiritual father, a true mentor will bring help in that way, but he'll do it with patience and love and faith. Um. It's your boy Maxi on YouTube asks, what if your spiritual father is always there, but doesn't support your calling? If he's your, if he's your true spiritual father, meaning God's truly connected, connected them with you. And it's somebody that's, that's meeting all these things that I'm talking about today and, uh, and doesn't understand or doesn't, doesn't believe you're in the, in the right place. You might like, if it's someone you truly trust, that's a spiritual leader, you may want to prayerfully consider what they say. If they're telling you, I don't believe that's the direction you should go, you might want to prayerfully with fasting, because we're talking about a life direction. You know, if I had, if I had someone that was like a spiritual father that came into me and said, I don't think you're called to do this. And then I had, let's say I even had more than one. They're like, listen, I don't, I, I don't think this, this is the direction your life should be going. I don't think you're called to be an evangelist. Well, if I was starting out and I had a couple of seasoned men of God that I believed in that came to me and said, listen, I think you're making a mistake. I don't think you're called to be an evangelist. I, I, really, I really honestly think you need to pray about this. You better believe that I'd have been fasting and praying about it because what does it matter to them? See what I mean? Like, here's the other side of it. What does it matter to those men of God who come to me? You know, a 20-year-old kid, a 19-year-old kid. It doesn't matter to them. They can go on about their life and I could go ruin my life and it wouldn't matter. They don't care. And so you start to realize like, you know what? They love me. They love me and they don't want to see me fail and they don't want to see me try to do something I'm not called to do. So they're giving me a warning. So I would, 
you know, if it's somebody you respect and somebody that's a true spiritual leader, you know, it's not wrong to pray and fast about the future of your life and say, God, truly show me, truly show me. But again, I think if you'll listen to the rest of these, you might, you might get some answers as to uh, what you need to do and some things that could identify whether this is a person that may be speaking out of their flesh or speaking out of their spirit. So number three is patience. Number four, someone that's going to be speaking into my life, that's going to be a mentor, a spiritual father, should be seeing ongoing growth. That's number four. They should have ongoing growth in their life and ministry. Ongoing growth in their life and ministry. That's, that's key. Ongoing growth. I don't want to be mentored by a dead end. I don't want to be, I don't want to have a spiritual father over me that's at a dead end in their life. They can't push past it. They can't get any further. They're as far as they're ever going to go. I want to see somebody that has ongoing growth in their life and ministry. That's continuing on the way up. There's never any increase available for the body of Christ. Always. Always. You're never at a cap of your faith where your faith can't accomplish more than it has. Ever. Ever. You know, the, you know what I, what I uh, quote to you all the time? Proverbs 4.18. The path of the just is a shining light that shines more and more, brighter and brighter, until the perfect day. Our path should get brighter and brighter and brighter, not darker and darker. They should have ongoing growth in their life and ministry. On a, on a, whether you look at it monthly, annually, you should just see them increasing. Increasing. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want that. I want that in my life. I want somebody that can show me the way. That can show me you don't ever have to plateau. You don't ever have to stop growing. You don't ever have to get stagnant. I want somebody that's so full of faith that they just never stop growing. They never stop increasing. They're still pushing. They're still pushing. So powerful. You know, they're going after it. I look at my father. I look at our pastor. They're still going. Still pushing. And still growing. Impacting. Never stop growing. Never stop growing. So you look at uh, just the two that I, I mentioned, my, my father and our pastor, Kellenized pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas. One thing I can say about both of them is that uh, they're at the largest place they've ever been in their ministries. It's not like they, they you know, when they were like 45 or 50, they hit like a peak. And then from there, it like went downhill. They're at the largest place that their ministries have ever been, and uh, they're continuing to grow. Largest place their ministries have ever been, and they're continuing to grow. That's ongoing growth. I want to see that. I want that. I want that in my ministry. I don't want to hit 50 and then be like, man, that was the best year our ministry ever had, and then from there it was downhill. No, I want ongoing growth. So to have ongoing growth, you have to be attached to someone who has ongoing growth. Look at Bishop Oyedepo. You know, what is he, like close to 70, if not 70? 
and is at the largest place his ministry's ever been at 70 years old. No, no, it's not. Jess Burton says, is it okay to outpace your mentor even when they're growing? I don't believe so. That's why when, you're, when, when God sends you somebody, they should be far beyond where you are. Far beyond where you are. So when you say outpace your mentor, because then the thing, the thing is, if you grow to be bigger than they are, then you get to a place where that there's nothing else they can do to help you. They can give you advice, they can give you input, but you've, you've outgrown. So something you're doing is, is greater than something they're doing, which has caused you to become at a, at a higher level than they are. And so I'm, it's not that they can't still speak wisdom to you or give you advice or whatever, but something has happened so that something that they're doing or something that you're doing has caused you to be make more of an impact to be greater than what they're doing. And so, you know, I've talked to people before, Jess, pastors, that said, yeah, when I was coming up as a pastor, this man used to be like a mentor to me. He used to be like a spiritual father to me. But you know, our church has far outgrown their church. We have far more impact, far more souls saved, far, everything's larger. Everything about the ministry is larger. And so the pastor told me, he said, I had to stop really calling him. Uh, not that they don't talk or anything, but it's like, I don't look to him anymore for, 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 uh, to be mentored or coached by him because I've gone beyond where he's ever been and he's far older, but I've, I've gone beyond where he's ever been. Now, the flip side of that is at some point of Jesus tarries, that person's going to pass away and go to heaven. And one thing that I do believe is that every generation should go farther than the previous generation. And so it's like uh, our pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas, will say, he, he'll say, my ceiling should be your floor. My ceiling should be your floor, which means as, as he's grown it, I wrote, I wrote about that in Further Faster and talked about it, that you hit a place where from there, the next generation shouldn't have to start at the bottom where you started. They should be able to start where you left off and continue growing. You pass the baton and keep running, right? And that's, and that's, the, um, that's exactly right, Robert. The mentor should make it where the mentoree or the mentee stands on the shoulders. And that's what you see. Like I use the analogy in, um, in Further Faster where uh, they're coming to the end of Elijah's ministry. He's getting ready to be taken away by the chariots of fire. And the Bible says that the last miracle Elijah ever uh, saw happen, he took his cloak, came to the Jordan River, and struck the water with his cloak, and the waters parted. And he and Elisha walked across on dry ground. And then he was taken up into heaven, but he, he left his cloak with Elisha. And Elisha came back to the river and, and took, holding that cloak said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he struck the water in the same way that his spiritual father did. And the water parted for him in the same way it parted for Elijah. And Elisha walked across on dry ground and people from afar off said, surely the spirit of Elijah rests upon Elisha. The anointing had transferred, but notice this, the last miracle that Elijah did was the first miracle that Elisha did. What it took Elijah, his whole ministry to get up to, 
Elisha started his ministry with that. Powerful. It's a powerful thing to see that carry on from generation to generation. And so there should be ongoing growth. There's something wrong. Like, get this, because we know God is a God of increase, he's a God of growth, he'll cause you to increase. If something's not increasing, something's wrong. If something is not increasing, not growing, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. And so I, I always tell people to watch for that. Is that person on a continually up, up, uptick? Is there a growth uh, pattern seen in their life all the time? If not, why isn't there? Have they let their foot off the gas? Have they stopped pressing? Why is there no increase? Why are we not seeing the growth? There's a problem there. If something's not growing, there's a problem. If something's not growing, there's a problem. If a church is not growing, there's a problem. Just by simple mathematics, a church should grow if they're just fulfilling the Great Commission. Just seeing souls saved, you should see constant growth in the church. And if you see constant, if you do see people being saved in a church, but the church doesn't grow, it's, it means that people are being saved, but other people are leaving. There's a problem there. What's the reason? Jesus never saw issues and don't blame it. You can't blame it on the day we're living in. Say, well, it's just a wicked generation. It's been a wicked generation for a long time. There's still large churches now. So what do you say to that? There's large Holy Ghost Pentecostal churches now. So what do you say to that? If something's not growing, something is wrong. There is a problem and it needs to be addressed. Because God wants growth and he wants ongoing growth. Number five, the fifth thing you should see in a spiritual father or mentor is that the person is confident and not insecure. This is big. The person is confident and not insecure. That's number five. By the way, if you're just logging on, share it. The person is confident, not insecure. Why? You will be in a mess if you get linked up with an insecure spiritual father or an insecure uh, mentor. You'll be in a mess. In fact, I truly believe that's one of those big areas that will disqualify you from, from leading other people in that way because your insecurity will literally stop you from being able to help others. Because rather than being able to be happy for their success, to celebrate what God's doing in their life, ministry, business, whatever, you'll start taking it personally, start getting insecure. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you start having a problem with that person. Oh, he thinks he's somebody, you know, came under me, I, I helped him. And now, and then you have an issue. You have an issue and then you, you, you have a breakdown in help because of insecurities. The confidence is not there. You can't be an insecure leader and successfully lead people. You can't, you can't. Can you imagine an insecure person saying to, to their people that are following them, 
uh, you'll do the same things I'm doing and you'll, you'll even do greater things than me. You'll be greater than, you'll do greater things than I am, be greater than I am. You'll see greater things happen. No insecure leader is going to say that to, to the people that, that follow them. Nobody. They're not going to say it. You know what they're going to say? Well, you know what? You need to stick with me if you want to. And, the, and, and I've, I've watched as this has happened. Insecure leaders have actually worked to keep people small so that they don't outshine them. I've watched. I've seen that happen around this country. Insecure leaders will literally keep people small so that they don't ever outshine them. There's this concept and there's a, a book that's written about it. People that are maximizers versus people that are minimizers. And there are people that'll try to get around you and minimize everything you do. They'll minimize it so that they, you never get to a place where you look like you're outshining them. They'll minimize you constantly. But then there's others that are God-given leaders that will actually maximize you. They'll maximize your talent, your ability, your calling, your purpose. They want to see you launch. They want to see you thrive. They want to see you launch. They want to see you thrive. And so they'll maximize you. They'll help you to maximize your talents, your gifts, your purpose, your energy, they'll, they'll, your anointing. They'll, they'll maximize it. And it's not an insecure person that'll do that. That's a confident leader that will do that. That's right. Jealousy sets in, Lenan. And then bitterness. It's exactly what happens. And I've seen it happen. But you can't have that kind of a leader in your life and expect that to be a fruitful relationship between a mentor and, and you or a spiritual father. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. And then these, and what ends up happening is people disqualify themselves. Number six, they cannot be a person that has a, a, a bad temper, as the Bible says. They cannot be a person that has a bad temper. You can't have a mentor or spiritual father that has a bad temper. And if you have one, that'll be something that disqualifies you from helping others. That will absolutely disqualify you from helping others. You cannot have a bad temper. Blowing up on everybody all the time. It's your problem. I told you three times. You cannot be that person. People will scatter from you. They will run from you. As a mentor, as a spiritual father. You can't be that person. First of all, the Bible says and commands us to make room for one another's faults. And so, you know, people are going to mess up. People are going to make the wrong move. They are going to make mistakes from time to time. And it's all right to correct them as a spiritual father. It's all right to guide them. It's all right to reprove them, rebuke them, whatever you got to do. But again, it's done in a love for that person, wanting to see them thrive, not going into, what an idiot, such an idiot. I can't believe, you know, it's not, it's not with that attitude. It's not with that spirit. Can't believe, what a jerk. What an idiot you are. I got to sit here and have this conversation with you. You won't have con people connected to you. Yes, people will make mistakes. Yes, they'll need correction. Yes, they'll need reproof. But correction's just direction. It brings a course correction so that the person doesn't continue to make those same mistakes again. 
But you can't be a person that's going to fly off the handle. People that start insulting people. See, because what does that do? It breaks. It ends up breaking the law of love. It breaks it. It breaks it. It breaks the law of honor. It breaks the law of honor. So I don't honor those under me. That's your problem. That's why you don't have anybody under you. Honor is not a one-way street. It's not a one-way street. It travels in every direction. Travels in every direction. And one of the things I'm working on that, that we're, I've already taught on it on the broadcast when I was in Dallas, and we developed the H9 system. And uh, I'm going to be dealing with that. How honor flows in every direction. I don't, just, I don't just honor the people over me. I honor the people that work with me. And I honor the people under me. I honor in every direction. I love in every direction. I honor those that are above me. Spiritual fathers, mentors. Those that have done more than me, those that are, you know, worthy of honor. Give honor to whom honor is due. The Bible declares that. Give honor to whom honor is due. I don't sit around, they need to earn my respect if they want me. No, the Bible doesn't teach that. Give honor to whom honor is due. But you know what? Even if people are on, you know, my plane, those that I would consider my peers that are working with me, I honor them. I'll honor them. And then there's people that are under me. You know, I've had young, you know, I'm not, I'm 40 this year. So, I mean, I'm not young or old. I'm just like 40. (laughs) And I've had younger evangelists, uh, you know, come to my meetings and sit in my meetings to receive. And I may have them get up. I've had it done it many times. I may have them get up and exhort and greet the people. But I don't sit around there. We got ourselves a young buck in the house. You know, like I hate that crap. When, when people have to play that out because they're insecure, you know, I hate that with everything in me. I can't tell you how much I hate that. I hate it. I had it done to me a lot coming up by, you know, I, I just, I hate it. People coming up to you want to minimize your gift. I'm, if I have one more stupid deacon at a church ever come up to me, you know, sure. Hello, young man. I'm just like, what's up, archaic old dusty fart? Which would not be honor. But I'm, I hate that, uh, you know, hello, young man. It's like, what are you trying to do? Put an emphasis on the fact that I'm young so you don't really honor the gift that God's put in me and you're not going to receive anything when I stand to preach? Just go home. <laughs> you mothball-smelling, Gatsby-cap-wearing son of a gun. Hello, young man. Or you have, you know, we got a young buck in the house. We got a young upcoming. You know, I hate that crap. Stupidity. Just if God's the one that called the person, they've got a gift. They've got an anointing. Just honor what God did. Just agree with God's choice instead of being a dummy. God did it. God called them. 
He set them apart. Nobody can call, nobody can call themselves. So I've had, you know, evangelists younger than myself sitting in the revivals. I'll have them get up because they're anointed. They're anointed. They've got great anointing on their lives. And I don't care who it is. If they're anointed, I'm happy they're there. And I honor them. And I tell people, listen to them. I want them to greet you. They've got a great ministry. They're preaching. They're traveling. Partner with their ministry. You know, I've had people younger than me get up many times. We were just in Pennsylvania. I was, we were honored to have Evangelist Kofi in the revival. I, let, I wanted Evangelist Kofi to get up and, and greet the crowd. He's anointed. He's got an anointing on his life. I've had Evangelist TJ uh, Malkanji come to our services. He's got an anointing on his life. I have him get up and I'll say, we've got a young buck in the house tonight who, who's really trying to make his way on the evangelistic field. I don't do all that stupid crap. He's anointed. So honored. We're so happy and honored to have evangelist TJ and Carrie stand and greet the people, take, take the time, exhort the people. Why? They're anointed. I've had my cousin, Evangelist Preston, in, in our services. Take the microphhone. Ex exhort the people. You're, I'm not going to say, got my young cousin here that's blazing a new trail in evangelism. Like, don't be stupid. It comes out of insecurity. If you're anointed, you're anointed. If God's called you, he's called you. Agree with God's choice. Right? My nephew Alex is still a teenager. He's still a teenager. And he's um, anointed. So I'll have him get up and talk. Had him do it in Ithaca. Had him do it in Massachusetts. I'll have, I'll have him greet the people. Why? He's anointed. God's going to use him mightily and is using him mightily. So, you know, you can't be one of those people and you can't have a person in your life that's insecure and you can't have one that has a temper that's always blowing up on everybody, you know, anytime that they uh, miss something. You won't be able to mentor people. You won't be able to be a spiritual father to anybody if you're walking around that way all the time and you, you don't make room for anybody. You have to. And that's who you should have in your life. Somebody's always just blowing up on you every other day. Might be a sign. So, no temper. Number seven. They need to be generous. I don't want to be a part of anybody that is not generous. Because that is mirroring the Spirit of God. God is generous. Christ was generous. And I want that same feeling to flow out of my life, my ministry. I want people to get around me and realize, man, they bless people. He blesses people. You can't get around him without him blessing people. Like, man, every time you go out, I've had pastors and I do it on purpose because I want them to understand that I want, I'm here to bless you. You have a hard time going out to, to eat with me and getting the check. A very hard time. A very hard time. Because I want to be a blessing to you. I love you. I want to be around generous people. I want to be a gift giver. I want to be a seed sower. And so I don't need people in my life that are cheapskates. I don't need a spiritual father that's a cheapskate. I don't need to have a spiritual father that is, uh, you know, greedy. I don't want anybody in my life like that. Neither do you. 
Because being generous is a trait that mirrors the image of God. That's what you want in your life. That's what you want in your life. And you need, because here's the thing, your calling is great. Your anointing is great. Your destiny that God's called you to is great, which means it's going to take that generosity to propel you to where you're called to go. It's going to take seed sowing. It's going to be, it's going to take that to get you where you're called to go. But let me tell you something. If your example that's over you is this cheapskate that never gives, it's always exhorting people to give, but never breaks out their own checkbook, never pulls out their own credit card. That's a problem. (laughs) They need to be generous people. Generous. That's what I want to be. That's what I want those around me to be, especially those over me to be. And they are. And that's what you need to look for. (laughs) If you've got somebody over you that's like, they're so cheap that they like go into a, a Starbucks and fill their, you know, cargo pants with all of the stevia packets because they won't buy any for themselves. <laughs> you, you need to find a new spiritual father. Cheap people. Hey, we'd like to take you to eat over here to a Waffle House. Just always cheap. Do not, do not allow that to be you. But at the same time, that should be a red flag. That should be a red flag. If you've got somebody in your life that's supposed to be your spiritual father, that's a cheapskate. <laughs> that's over you. Hey, if you enjoy Waffle House, that's another, that's another, uh, but if you're going there because it's cheap, or they bring you there because it's cheap, Hey, listen, we're kind of on a budget. We want you to keep your meal, if you would, within $20 range. (laughs) You need a generous person. No, listen, if you like Waffle House, I'm getting pushback now from the the comments section. People, like, real Waffle House fans are coming after me. Zach Ramsey, if you like authentic Italian food, Olive Garden. If you like to have good seafood, Red Lobster. Um... You got to be careful. They need to be generous. Need to be generous. Number eight. Here's a big one. You ready for this? They better be consistent. If I'm going to have somebody that's over me, mentoring me, a spiritual father, they better be consistent. Consistent. What does that mean? Consistent in every area of their life. Consistent in their marriage, consistent in their doctrine, consistent consistent in their calling. Let me tell you, if people are always changing all the time, people, they lose trust in you. They lose trust. If your church is reinventing itself like every three years, people lose trust in you as a pastor. You know, we were Pentecostal, now we're more, now we're more Bethel, now we're more seeker sensitive, now we're more elevation. It's like, who are you? You know, if, if you're always changing everything, we were really big going this direction, you know, we were big on this, and now we're real big on this, or we're going this. People don't know which way to go. They don't know, they don't know what you're doing. Consistency is key. And consistency is king. 
Jesus did what Jesus did for his whole ministry, even though that was only three and a third years. The disciples did what they did for their entire life. The early church did what the early church did for their entire lives. It's like, be known for what you are. You look at Brother Hagin. He did what he did for his whole ministry until he was 86 years old. Teach my people faith, all right? Taught, taught God's people faith. Prophesied when the Spirit came on him to prophesy. You know, Holy Ghost meetings. He did what he did. Somebody came to my father and they, they thought they were kind of give, knocking him. And said, oh, Brother Ted, you're preaching the same stuff you preached 20 years ago. He said, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's called consistency. I'm not blown about by every wind of doctrine. I don't change, I don't have to rebrand myself every three years. This is me now. Now this is the, no, I am what I am. And that's how your spiritual leader should be consistent. They're on a track. They do what they do and they do what God calls them to do. But you have to have consistency or else it's like, you know, people don't know where people, first of all, people hate change. <laughs> if you haven't learned that by now. People hate change. Even if it's something that needed to change and you change it, people will complain about it. People don't like change. So if you're changing all the time, people are thrown off. They don't know what to do. They start to lose trust in you as a leader. That's why you got to stay consistent. Stay consistent. Stay consistent. Stay consistent. Preach consistent doctrine. Do consistent things. You know what I mean by that? You got to be, you have to be consistent. Number nine, they should be a person of integrity, not a shady person, a person. I don't want some greasy person over me as my spiritual father, as my mentor. That's always just doing stuff that's, you know in the gray area. We want above board. Everything should be done with integrity. Everything should be done with integrity. If a person does not have integrity, I don't want them as a part of my life anyway. But especially not as a mentor, especially not as a spiritual father. Forget being a spiritual father. There's people there's places I wouldn't even go preach. I told people this, like I'll say this publicly because it's already public, but people, people don't know, like people don't understand. Like I, I, I told people this, well, maybe I won't say it, but there's places that, you know, people said to me, like, wouldn't it be so great? Cause people don't understand how the ministry works. So people have, been, they've asked me like, man, wouldn't it be so amazing if you got asked to go preach at this conference or that conference? And I told them flat out. They could ask all they want. I'm not going. <laughs> you're not going to see me go preach at that conference or that conference or that church. We're not a fit. We're not a match. And, and I don't like, I don't, that whole flow, it's not me. I don't, I'm not for that. So, you know, people just see things that are big and they're like, man, what, what if you could get in there? It's like, I don't care to go there. I don't want to be a part of that because I value integrity. And anybody with half a brain can see that they're not operating that way. When stuff comes out later. But I, I, don't want, I don't want to be a part of that. 
I want to be, I want the people over me to be people of integrity, not people trying to steal from me. It's like there's this, a pastor that I, I, I know got in trouble where he was at because he was having people, he was like manipulating people into like selling their homes, making them feel bad. If you don't sell your home and give the money to the church, then you, you're a, you know, you're, you're not even dedicated spiritually. You're not even dedicated. Or having people take out those uh, certain types of mortgages on their home. Elderly people. You need to do that and give the money to the church. If you don't, you know, you're not, you're not dedicated to the, the house of God or the vision of God. No integrity. No integrity. Manipulating people to do things. You know, doing stuff all the time that's in gray's area, gray areas. Doing stuff all the time that's shady, that's slimy. And that, no integrity. They don't even care about integrity. It's like, and get your house in order. Get your house in order. If you're a pastor, if you're a minister, why is your wife posting pictures all over her Instagram of her in like, you know, bikinis. What's what's going on? What's happening? It's like, something's up. Integrity. Don't be slimy. Don't be, you know, don't be in the gray areas all the time. Or any of the time. Walk with integrity. Number 10. Here's an important one. A spiritual father, a mentor, should be somebody that walks in humility and meekness. Humility and meekness. So vital. So vital. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. So number 10... Be humble, be meek. God gives more grace, favor to the humble. He opposes the proud. Right. And so you need to have somebody that's over you, that is humble, that's meek, that's not walking around in pride. Look at me. Look at me. It should be somebody that walks in that, in that kind of a spirit, the way Jesus did, the way the apostles did. Walking humbly. <laughs> I can't even tell you this. I, I, deal, I see with stuff so often now, thanks to social media, you see everything. But like, I can't even, I couldn't even imagine. First of all, I couldn't imagine having some of these people as, I mean, I can't even listen to them speak one time, let alone have them as my spiritual leader. I can't even like listen to them speak on a, an Instagram reel or a TikTok, let alone have them as my spiritual leader, like just dripping with pride, dripping with pride. I, I, I couldn't do it. The way they treat people, the way they speak, you know, 
God will make you great, but you're not in it to become great in that way. I'm not a celebrity. I don't have a desire to be a celebrity. You know, when people are in ministry so that they can become famous and be celebrities and get around other famous people, they've got a problem. They've got a problem. And that's why when I see that famous people are getting saved and then I see who they're connected with that's in the ministry, I realize like that person's not changing that celebrity at all. He's just happy. She's just happy to be around that celebrity, to get selfies with them. There's no discipleship happening. There's no correction going on. Just happy to be around them. Take, and I'm just telling you, in it for the celebrity. I'm not a celebrity. I'm a servant of God. Now, if you exalt God, if you do what he's called you to do, he will make your name great. There's no question. And God, let me tell you something. God has no issue making your name great. None. He doesn't care. He's already the most high. You're not going to ever exceed him. And he doesn't care because he takes you by his mighty right hand and lifts you up head and shoulders above the rest. You think Billy Graham wanted to be a celebrity? You think he's walking around trying to be a celebrity? No, but he was called America's pastor, spoke to every president that sat in office while they were, while he was in the ministry, was known all over the world. Everybody knows his name. I mean, Joel Osteen doesn't have a desire to be a celebrity. He didn't even want to speak. He didn't want to be the pastor. He didn't feel like he could. You, you, look at, you look at people that God's raised up, the ones that truly God's raised up. God has no issue making your name great if you're pushing what he's called you to do and doing what he's called you with humility. Because if you increase to the level God has pl- you plan to increase, people will know who you are. You know, when, when Pastor Adeboye says in Nigeria, people say, how... You know, how wealthy are you, Pastor Adeboye? He said, I'm the wealthiest man in the world. They said, how can you say that? He said, because if I wanted a new pair of shoes, I, would, I couldn't even tell my congregation what size shoe I wear. He said, because there would be no more stores in Nigeria that had that size shoe. Because my people would buy all of them and bring them to me because they love me that much. You talk about, this is a man who people, <clears throat> there's people that don't even, they, they, had, they, had, they literally admire him so much and are so in awe of his anointing. There's people that don't even believe he's a man. They believe he's like an angel sent from heaven. Everybody knows his name, not just in Africa, around the world people know his name. But he's humble. Man of prayer. Dr. Cho built the largest church in the world. Everyone knows or knew Dr. Cho. In Seoul, Korea. Over a million members. If you ever met Dr. Cho, he's like, Here's a, here comes a celebrity. No. Humble man. Man of prayer. God has no issue raising you up. But it's about meekness and humility. That needs to be present in any spiritual father, in any mentor. And number 11, let me deal with this one. 
They should be spirit-led. They should be somebody that's led by the Holy Ghost. I don't want anybody leading my life that doesn't that doesn't have a not only that doesn't have a desire to be spirit-led, you can tell that they don't live their life in a spirit-led manner. How can you be spirit-led if you're drunk from time to time? I don't want anybody in my life leading me that's not led by the Spirit. I want somebody, if they're going to be someone that's over me, I want somebody to be able to call me up and say, hey, I was praying for you, and I heard the Lord say this, and you need to do this. I heard, I heard the Lord speak this, you need to put this in place. I heard the Lord, I heard the Lord speak to me about this, and I think you need to make this change. I need that kind of a spiritual leader. I want the kind that's going to allow me to see what God wants by their spirit-led direction. I want people in my life that will literally give me a word from the Lord when God gives it to them. And I thank God we have that. I thank God we have that. Not just in my father, but also in our pastor who both of them have given us very important words from the Lord, especially in the last 36 months. Very important words from the Lord That's, that are life-changing, ministry-changing. And we listen. I thank God for men like Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, who has also given my wife and I words from the Lord that we receive. And they're coming to pass. They're coming to pass. I thank God for men of God that are spirit-led. And they should be spirit-led. I don't want anybody, quote-unquote, mentoring me, quote-unquote, uh, being a spiritual father over, over my wife and I, that's not led by the Spirit. What's the point of that? So what, are we going to just depend on your natural wisdom for the rest of time? I don't want that. I don't want that. I want the presence and power of God to show up in these kinds of relationships. I want prophetic words. I want something from the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you, it'll change your entire life when you have that kind of a connection with a spiritual father, with a mentor that God's placed in your life. You know, many people, for many, their pastor the one God's placed them under is the one that God desires them to receive from, obviously. It's funny to me how there's so many people that are not able to receive from a spiritual father or from a mentor because they, they themselves are not humble enough to even receive correction. You know, there's a problem. Let me just say this. There's a problem if your pastor of your church brings you correction or rebuke, reproof, even if he's doing it in a general way from the pulpit and people get all bent out of shape and leave the church. They've got a serious problem. Don't, don't, people shouldn't go around like, this is my pastor. If somebody, if you declare that somebody's your pastor, that should mean that if they correct you, you'll correct it. If they bring correction to you, you will change instead of being offended and leaving.
Don't claim somebody's your pastor because you just like to hear them preach. If they're truly your pastor, if God's placed you under them, then if they bring you correction, you should receive it. You should receive it and make the change and not be offended and not storm out of the church never to come back again. I'm taking my tithe check somewhere else. Nope. Don't say that person's your pastor or spiritual leader because they're not. They're not. And so you have to, have to be meek enough to receive that correction. But again, if these things are not in place, you'll also disqualify yourself from speaking into somebody below you, somebody that needs your help, somebody that's looking for uh, leadership or guidance from your life. And God wants to use all of us. God wants to use us in such a way that literally every month increases. Every month increases. We want to see that kind of growth in everything we do in the kingdom of God. So God connects us with people. People that will help us to grow. And that's key. That's the key. I want to pray for you today. Because number one, I believe in you. I believe in your calling, your anointing, your purpose. I believe in what God's called you to do. I believe in the anointing that's in your life. Your best days, you've not even seen them yet. You're just getting started. God's increasing you. Your submission to the authority of God and his word is going to take you further than you've ever been. But you've got to stay humble. You've got to stay meek. You've got to stay hungry for the things of God. And you've got to be led by the spirit of God. And when God puts that person in your life, let me tell you something. Staying connected. I said this in the book, Further Faster. You don't, need a, you don't just need a, a, a ladder to get to the next level. You need a ladder to stay at the next level. It's funny how people will use others, they'll level up, and then the, the, you never hear from them again. You need them both. So, Father, I pray for every person watching or listening. And I pray, Lord, that if they do not have a spiritual leader who loves them, who cares for them, who's praying for them, who's correcting them, that's guiding them, speaking to them, helping them be led by the Spirit. I pray you'd send them somebody quickly. Use them for your glory. I pray, Lord, that you'd put a, a, whatever pride remains in us, whatever haughtiness, remove it by the Holy Ghost. Let us be meek. Let us be humble before you and use us greatly for your kingdom in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you would use us to raise others up those that don't know what we know or haven't had an opportunity to receive what we have, use us to raise others up in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Lord, we declare it. <clears throat> we will never allow pride to put us out of position to receive what you have. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for that. We give you praise today for using us for your glory. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. If you receive it, throw some hands up in the comments, throw some fire up in the comments. Like we do every day, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow a seed and partner with our ministry. You know all that we're doing. And if you don't, you can go to our website, miracleword.com, and you can click that partner tab and see all that we're doing uh, literally around the world now, 180 plus nations. And all the ways to give are there, miracleword.com. But I want to truly encourage you to partner with me and Carolyn before Jesus comes and see souls saved. This last three weeks, and we're getting ready to put out a, a, a recap on it so you can see all that God did. But 
These last three weeks were phenomenal. God is moving around this nation. Let me encourage you. God's not done with America. The best days. You think we could literally sow the gospel around the world through missions for all these decades and then God's going to leave us hanging at the end of time? No. We have a harvest of revival and a move of the Spirit coming to this nation. And I believe it's already begun. We're going to be a part of it in these last days. And as you partner with this ministry, you're also a part of that. And so I want to say thank you to everybody that is standing with us. Maybe you feel to sow a seed, uh, a one-time seed today. Do what the Lord's telling you to do. And uh, for those that are sowing, we want to give you a gift to say thank you. You're not sowing to get this gift. It's just our way of saying thank you. For those partnering with us this month for 85 or more, we're going to send you Dr. Cho's book, The Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner, Understanding the Gifts gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit. For those that are going to sow $250 or more, we're including also A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It'll open that psalm up like you've never seen it. And then for those that are sowing $1,000 or more, we're including with those two, the Net Bible, 60,000 translators notes. If you want to receive them, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, and you can sign up and so let us know where to, to mail those books as well. I love you guys a lot. Uh, today, Carolyn's going to be back live in the studio. You do not want to miss it. And, uh, and then I'll see you again in the morning, 1030. I love you. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.